0: Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Last week, uh, Pastor Claude was talking about, uh, and he asked you guys a question, do you guys know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? And that is, uh, I kind of want to bring that up today again. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful question, right? And, and, and I think us two here today, there's probably different levels of us knowing God in our own lives. Just like there's different levels of me knowing all of you. Some of you I, I know. Some of you I've met recently. Some of you are, are my, my parents, right? In-laws. And, and uh, there's different levels of, of knowing people. But, but I believe in, in our lives too... We can know God to different levels as well. We can know him maybe as we know about him. We can know God as an acquaintance or we can know God deeply in a very real way because he's invited us to have that type of relationship, which is awesome, amen? And, and I really think there is a, a danger of knowing God as an acquaintance. First of all, that's so too bad. We're missing out on the most amazing, like we're missing out on God, right? The one who is beauty and greatness and and then the one who is amazing. And then also, I think if we don't know God in a deep, real way um, and know God as an acquaintance, we might have an opinion of who God is. Do you ever do that with anyone? You meet someone for five minutes and you have them pegged, right? Is that any of you? That's just me. You have a brief interaction and you're like, oh, I know that person. I know I know what they're like. And you make a snap decision and snap judgment about their likeness or like what my father does with sports. If he watches one game and one guy's doing amazing, he's like, this is the best player on this team. Or this guy is the worst. And um, and, and the reality is we're making a snap decision and filling in the blanks. And, and I don't want to do that with God in my life. I don't want to have God as an acquaintance where He's distant. And then I just fill in the blanks of what I think He's like. Because actually, the, there's a professor, Scott McKnight, and, and uh, what he did in his classes, he would give his students two tests. And one of the tests was, What are you like? And the the students would fill it out. And then a bit later, he would give them a second test. What's Jesus like? But he changed some of the wording around so that they wouldn't see what what he was doing. And and the results, when they came in, it was interesting. Everyone felt Jesus was just like them. (laughs) And even not, it was not only in this class that he gave this test. It was multiple other people that would give this test. And the results were similar. People would think and assume that Jesus was like them. And this is a quote from the results of the test. It says, The test results also suggest that even though we like to think we're becoming more like Jesus, the reverse is probably more the case. We try to make Jesus just like ourselves. That's a scary statement, right? That, that, I, I hope that gets you thinking a little bit like, Whoa, I, I, I do not want that to happen. Who of you wants that to happen? If you're a Christian, you're like, no, no, that's the exact opposite. I don't want to form God into my image. I want to be formed into his image. But I think there, there can be this bend. The French philosopher Voltaire said something very similar. If God has made us in his image, we have returned him the favor. And this is not what we want to do. We want to know and come to know who God truly is. And then worship him, not as the God that we've created with the God, the, the, the one true God, right? And, and this is on God's heart as well in, in a big way, and we see that in the, the first three commandments. You should have no other gods before me, right? Are there other gods? No, but people, people make gods, right? Um, they, they worship false deities. deities, And, and uh, the second commandment, too, is don't make graven images. Don't, don't create How could we create God, right? How can we make idols? Then the third one, it says, don't take my name in vain. And and that word take actually means don't bear my name. If you're a Christian, you're bearing his name. And don't do that in vain. Vain is emptiness. It's it's, it's empty. Don't empty my name of its glory. And I really believe there's glory in, in who God truly is. There's glory in his name. Um, I'll, I'll read this verse later, but it says in Psalms 29, "Ascribe the Lord the glory, do His name." Ascribe to Lord the glory, do His name. That's what we were doing in song almost all morning. It was so beautiful. We were ascribing to God His glory. It's You, God. It's all You. All the glory goes to You. And so our calling in life is not to make our own God, but but to bear his name and give it glory. Um, and so that's what we're going to do in this series. We are going to look at who God is, who, who really are the names of God. We, we've actually done a series like this. When was that? Like three years ago? It's on the, the website. If you go to Names of God on our website, um, look up the series Names of God. We looked at the Old Testament Names of God. But in this series, we want to look at what, what Jesus declared himself as in in the New Testament. So these are the names that, that Jesus revealed in the New Testament to his people. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the vine. Um, I'm just looking at this. I'm excited about this series because these are things that Jesus is. And these are things that he wants to be to us. He wants to be our bread. Claude's going to talk about that next. I can't wait till next week. Because again, I I pray that in this series we'd come to know truly who God is. And we'd experience him. There's life in these things. They're not just titles. There's there's glory there. And I pray that we would come to know God in in a very real way. In front of all those titles here are the words, I am. And that, that um, it comes from where, where God revealed to Moses His name in Exodus, and this is really where Jesus got into trouble with the, the religious leaders. He said, "Before Abraham was, I am." And that's when they picked up stones. because the, the name I am was this holy and sacred name. The Jews would not say this name. They wouldn't say it out loud. It was was the sacred name of God because they they knew they knew that it it had majesty and glory on it. The sad thing is they they failed to see that, that Jesus was the ultimate one who actually revealed himself as the I am in Exodus. So let's let's read Exodus 3. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. His father in law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord. And whenever you read the angel of the Lord, we know it's not an angel because in the next verses or so, we'll see that it's actually God talking. So, the angel of the Lord is God. And the general consensus really is that the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus. So, there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the flames of fire from within the bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. You know, he's tending a sheep. Oh, there's a bush. That's on fire. It's still on fire. So okay, I'm going to go check it out. Moses thought, I'll go over to see this strange sight why the bush doesn't burn up. Then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then he said, don't come any closer, God said. Take your sandals off, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the Lord God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You know, God is awesome. God is awesome. This is why Moses was, was, had a hard time looking at God. He's awesome. And we use that word lots, right? I, I remember I was on a mission trip, I, I was a teenager, and I was just, you know, oh man, shoelaces are awesome. Eating pizza, pepperoni's awesome. And, and there was someone that, that kind of, in, in a way, he kind of scolded me, and, and he said, you know, we use that word lots for everything, but it's tr- truly only God is awesome. And I was a teenager, so I was like, okay, whatever, and I just kept saying awesome. And, and I wouldn't say maybe it's necessarily wrong, but I, I actually think I failed to see the, the learning lesson in that moment that yeah, it's true that we could use the word awesome, but God is truly awesome. God is different, God is holy, God is greater than, than, than we know. And again, this is, this is where Moses, he was standing in this moment in glory of seeing God, and he had a hard time to look at God, because he's awesome. But the beauty is that that God wants us to approach him, right? Not be afraid of him, to fear him reverently, but actually know him intimately. And that's beautiful. But God's awesome. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out, Because of their slave drivers, I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Prezizites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So Moses is like, all right, right? He will do it, right? I I will come and rescue them. Moses is happy. This is great. But then God drops this. So now go. I'm sending you. (laughs) That's often how God does his plans, right? He uses us people to go. Even though it's him, he said, I'll do it. But I'm sending you. To Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is looking at the task at hand, and, and he, he has a legitimate question. So he see, thinks, right, who, who am I, God? Like, I'm going to Pharaoh. Like, he's, he is, like, kind of the leader of, like, pretty much the mo- most powerful nation. If I go, hey, Pharaoh, can you let your, the people go? I know you're like getting them to do all this work and building all these monuments. Just let them go, right? Wouldn't you ask that question, who am I, God? And God answers the question. And he said, I'll I'll be with you. (laughs) I I love this response from God because Moses is looking at himself and probably looking at his feeble self and God is, is pointing his attention onto the most important thing. I'm with you. I'll be there. Even later, Moses is looking at his own shortcomings. God, I, I, like, I stutter. I, I can't even, like, I might not even be able to speak words enough to actually go before Pharaoh and talk, and God's like, I made you. I made your very mouth. If I am with you, that's all you need to know, right? So God is diverting his attention off, to, off his inadequacies and onto him because this is something that he'll do and this is the trump card. God is with him, right? God said, I'll be with you and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And you shall call me from generation to generation. So this is the name that God chose to reveal to Moses. And, and it was to be his name forever. His name is I am who I am. And what's the significance of this, this name? Really what God was saying is that, that he, he is, right? He's not created. He's not a created being. He is the one who has always been. He also doesn't change we all change, right? Living things change. God is the unchanging one, He's the constant one. And, and He is the ultimate reality, ultimately, right? We, all of us are because He is. He's the I am, He's the greatest reality, the ultimate reality, the source of all things, all powerful, all knowing God. And through the Bible, it's beautiful because in the Old Testament, that he fills in the blank of, of I am. He says, I am your healer. You need healing? I am your healer. I, I am your provider. I am the Lord of hosts. I am your righteousness. David actually in Psalms 23, he's, he's tending to his sheep and he, and he realizes he's the shepherd. I, the I am is, is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And so throughout all of scripture, there's, there's more flesh that gets put on that name because God wants to be our, our peace and our healer and our provider and our shepherd and all of these things. You know, I, I really pray that during this series we would, we would know the names of God, but not just intellectually, but really experience these things as the reality of what God wants them to be. He wants to be Your I am he wants to be the the one he wants to be your hope he wants to be your source he wants he he wants to be your everything right and and so our job in this world is to get to know him more I don't think that ever stops too that we are forever going to get to know this God more in heaven, too, I think we're, we're going to be caught up in his glory, but we're going to still get to know, wow, we're going to be caught up with who he is, getting to know God more. So, so I, I think right now it's our job to, to worship God, give him the glory that's due to his name, and continually get to know him more so that we can find ourselves in him instead of projecting ourselves onto God. Amen? He's the potter, we're the clay. And so we need to know, God, I want to know you so that I can experience you as the true God, and I can actually be formed into your image so I can reflect you on this earth. That's our lifelong mission. And I love Paul, what he says to the Athenians, they have all these mixed up views of God They have so many gods. Paul actually finds an idol to an unknown God. They just like, ah, we don't know this God. We'll just throw one here and that will cover the rest of it, right? And this is what he said to these people. The Lord who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands, right? You can't put him in a box. You can't build this temple and actually think you can contain him there. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. If you, if you look, at, look at Greek mythology, their gods were just like them, really. And it was, it's a really weird, it's like the young and the restless. It's a really weird timeline of what they look like. But God is not like that. He's self-sustaining. He's set apart. He's holy. He's greater. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit, the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far away from any of us. This is the response, right, that God wants for us to seek him. And then there's this powerful statement, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. And I think, as a believer, do I see that? Do I truly know that in him I live and I move and I have my being? Like I am, because he is. I can't take a breath without God. I can't move without God. Yet at some sometimes I I, I view my life as a little independent. And I think we can view our life and what we have and what we've been given as independent from God when our very dependence is on Him. Amen? It's kind of like me as a teenager. I thought I was pretty independent, right? Hey, I'm an independent. Mom, when's my laundry ready? (laughs) Can you give me a ride to my friends? Is my lunch packed? I'm, in, I'm an independent man, but I was depending on them the whole time, right? And I didn't see, I didn't see my, 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 really my livelihood depended on them, and, and I didn't even realize they were paying bills, and property tax, and hydro, and mortgage, and all of these things. I was so dependent on them. And I think in our own lives, we can have the sense of I'm building something. I'm my own man, I have my things but we're actually meant to see that our very existence is held together by God, right? In in James, he addresses this and says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. You're, You're clearly viewing yourself as bigger than you are, right? You're actually just this mist. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. Now, I don't know if we really legitimate need to say that all the time. Hey, if it's the Lord's will, you want to go out for coffee tomorrow, Brenda? Well, I can't plan anything because I don't know if I'm going to be there. So if it's the Lord's will, (laughs) you know, people will get a little worried, right? (laughs) What's going on? Okay, I guess maybe I'll meet you there, I don't know. But I think really what James is getting at is this is the heart of what we need to live our life by. It's not our life. It's not our plans, my money, and I'm living independent. No, my whole life, my whole life is in God's hands. So it's it's all up to him, it's his will. And and, and my my life, in in James 1, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything I've been given is from God. And I I think this is just a beautiful way to live your life because instead of building your domain and and instead of seeing yourself as I'm the one, you're seeing it as he's the one. And you're actually living your life as worship unto him. I think that's a beautiful way to live. I I went out for, for coffee with a young man this week and and uh, he he had years and years of of you know going to the same job and he hated his reality he hated his reality in his world so actually he went into fell into drugs and addiction because it would just he said it would just take him away from all of that he didn't want to experience that and so he used drugs just to be like maybe this can just numb the reality that I'm in because I hate life right. And here he is, and he's, he's beaming, and, and life is just, life and joy is just exuding out of him, and he didn't get a new job. He, he didn't really, he had really the same life, but, but he, you could see that he, he turned his life back to God, and he was so grateful, it was so beautiful to see. He's like, I've been given a job. I can make money, he's he's allowed me to do that, he's given me this community, he's given me a family, and it was so beautiful to see that that his life was transformed because he he started to, it wasn't his life anymore, that was just a vapor and dust and it was disappearing. He he was seeing his life that was being held together by the I am and the good gifts that the I am had given him. talks about this in Deuteronomy. When you have eaten and you are satisfied, Praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. I ate on Friday at Claude's place. And I was satisfied. He he made me a steak. And I gave gave him credit because credit was due, right? And I think this verse is really talking about this. Give credit where credit's due. First of all, to the chef. Compliments to the chef. But ultimately, to, to live our life as, wow, thank you, God. It's all you. It's not mine. I'm not building this. This isn't my life. This isn't my stuff. It's all you. I'm gonna skip ahead to verse 17. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me, right? There's so many my's in that, that sentence. My power, the strength of my hands. Look what I've built. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the ability to produce wealth. And that's our job as Christians, to, to see that everything we have is a gift from God. Anything that, God or anything that we think we've earned by our own power has been enabled by God. And, and to give him the glory that he's due. In Romans 11, we sang this this morning, for, in, for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever, amen. He is due this, this glory. I'll read Psalms 29. I, I alluded to this passage before. Ascribe to the Lord or give to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty and majesty of his holiness as the creator and source of holiness. This is just awesome to do, Right? What a a beautiful thing that we get to do is just to give God glory in all things, to be caught up and worship him in his beauty and majesty and holiness. I I think, again, we need to see every part of my life, I need to acknowledge God because he's holding together every part of my life. Colossians says this, whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you do, Right? Are, are, are you poop scooping? <laughs> Whatever you do, in word or do you, just, just give him glory. Yahweh, the I am, wants to be a part of that. He enabled you to do that. If, if you eat a good steak, give him glory. See that. It's, it's God who did it, and, and have every part of your life in connection with the I am and, and worship and glorifying the I am. The first Thessalonians said that, says this so well. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. I think this is the most beautiful thing. When we look at the I am of God, he is glorious. He is holy. Like God's not just one of the dudes, right? Hey God, want to grab a soda? You're just one of the guys. He's holy. He's above Yet at the same time, he invites us so close to be able to have a constant communion with him. Me with him through the blood of Jesus. That is unbelievable. Those two facts blow my mind. The I am with me. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's to ascribe to God the glory due His name. Be caught up with the holiness of God. So, as I conclude here, what's our response to God as the I am? It's to acknowledge Him, right? I'm not independent from God. I'm held together by Him. My very existence. It's, It's His breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. I surrender to God, this is not my business, my money, my power, it's all yours. And just having a heart of gratitude and worship in everything we do, giving him the glory because he is the I am, the source of all that is good. And the beauty I think, when when we truly start living this way, we're gonna experience God, as God, as the I am. He is, he is going to be our peace. He's going to be our hope. It's not me and my power and I'm holding together the, my family. It's God's holding me together. God is sustaining me. The I am is, is with me. And, and this is really what God was, was really wanting to show Moses. Moses had this incredible challenge at hand, right? Go again. Just tell the most powerful man in the world to let, let the people of the Israelites go. Go. That's a hard thing to face, but God wanted to see, wanted Moses to see who he was, that he is the I am, and, and it didn't matter who Moses was, it mattered that God was the I am, and the I am was with him. If we can see those two things, church, if we can see who God is in all his power and splendor and glory and see that he's with us, that the level of peace, the level of trust, the level of security that that we would experience would be wild, right? And this is, I believe, what God wants us to experience. The most frequent command in the Bible is fear not. Fear not. Because fear involves a lack of control, right? But fear not. And what's always tagged onto that line pretty much every time I'm with you. I am with you. The I am is with you. He's holding the world in his hands. He's there. He's with you. When we see this, it, it, it changes what we're going through. I said I was going to conclude. I want to conclude with this story here, and then maybe I'll conclude. In Matthew 8, the disciples are in this rocky and scary situation. And it says, then then Jesus got into the boat with his disciples, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. I don't know if you ever feel like you're in a boat with waves sweeping over. It's a lot to handle, and you're you're scared, right? But Jesus was sleeping. I love that. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Jesus was showing them, I'm in control, I'm in command. I sit above creation. And all of his miracles, that was something that he was trying to get people to see. I can, I'm the source, the source of, of life, the source of everything. I sit above nature, I rule over it all. And then the the disciples, it says the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. They didn't yet see the I am. That was Jesus. They did in the end, absolutely. They saw him as the resurrected king. And then they were not ruled by fear. They they went into the whole world and they they all died for, for the cause of Jesus Christ. But they needed to see, they, they didn't yet know Jesus. And I don't know if they've ever, yeah, I can just imagine in heaven, they're like, remember Jesus that one time we were, we were in the boat? <laughs> Peter screamed like a girl. We felt we were gonna die. But actually, we were afraid when the I am was right there. We just didn't know who you were. We, we, we failed to see that you weren't a man. You were so much more. And I pray again in this series, that God would open our eyes to who the I am is, who Jesus is, and that he is with us. Meditate on those two truths this week, whatever you're going through. Because if we can truly know these two things, again, (laughs) peace is just going to transcend our understanding. Because we're held by the I am. He's in our boat. He's there. Amen? Let's pray. God, it says in Psalms nine, those who know their Your name put their trust in You. I pray that we would know Your name, God. And God, even when I was preparing this message, I didn't even know. It felt impossible because you're into, you're just too amazing. You're like words don't do justice, God. And but I knew it was Your Spirit that would have to move. It would have to move and it would have to reveal to us how amazing you are. But God, I pray that we could truly see that in in, in a new way, that we would commit ourselves to getting to know who you are and we would conform to your image, God, instead of forming you into an image we'd want you to be. That's a less glorious image, God. We want to worship you in all your glory, in all your splendor, in the truth of who you are. And God, we don't want the I am statements of Jesus to be memorized in our brain, but but to be the reality that we experience in our life. Because this is the God you are, the living, breathing, King of all things, Lord of Lord, the Lord of hosts. So Father, I pray that you would take us on a journey of seeing who you are, God. We'd be less caught up with maybe our inadequacies in the challenges we face, but more caught up with who you are and the fact that you're with us, Lord. Yeah. And so now we want to return the praise that you're, that you deserve Jesus and worship you as the great I am. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.